Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Speaking Club podcast. After overhearing a conversation between my parents last weekend, I realised that my mum must be a minimalist because apparently she hasn't bought any new clothes for years. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hi there, it's good to have you listening. Well, let me just fill you in on the background to this show. So I've just started rehearsals for a new play that I'm going to be performing in Edinburgh next year. And over a cup of tea with one of uh, the other actors, I, we were having a conversation about comedy. And he said he wanted to start doing comedy. And he told me that specifically he wanted to learn how to make his stories funny. He didn't want to tell gags, he wanted to do stories, but he wanted to do funny stories. So I'm giving him some tips and I thought, well, why not share them with you too? Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that I love stories, but I love stories with humour more. So does your audience and, in fact, the majority of the population. Because humour brings people together. It builds a connection between you and your audience and it's more likely to get your message shared. But the trouble is that a lot of people get scared of using humour as a public speaker because it's got to be appropriate for the event and the people that you're talking to and that can put someone off. And that's absolutely true. Um, It's got to be appropriate. But having used comedy in the corporate world for nearly... 28 years now, I can tell you it is doable. People love it and the rewards are massive. But let me tell you how I found out about comedy and speaking. So I was 22 years old the first time I used comedy in a speech and I I couldn't have chosen a higher stakes moment to do it. So I was working in Germany and I'd stood for election to the company Works Council, which is kind of like a union, but not as powerful. Imagine a hairdryer versus a Harley Davidson. And anyway, when the results came in, no one was more surprised than me when I found out I got elected to the role of chairman. So there I am, this young British woman in charge of the Works Council in an international company. And basically, that was made up of me and 11 German men. And it's fair to say that a lot of people were sceptical about whether I could do the job. But I wanted to prove them all wrong. So I put on my big girl's blouse and got to work. Yes, Boris Johnson, my big girl's blouse. Anyway, pretty soon after, I got told I had to do a speech to the entire company. And that was going to be right after the CEO did his State of the Nation talk. Now, I'd never spoken before at that point, and I was petrified. It felt like I was going to be learning to swim in shark-infested waters. But my pride was bigger than my fear, so I said, all right, no problem. And then I had to learn how to speak. Now, 26 years ago, the internet was not what it is today. There was no YouTube, 
No Speaking Club podcast. Uh, so I got some books. And one of the books was, was one on after dinner speeches. And it had examples from the great and the good. So I had a look through and they made me chuckle. But I realised they also had an underlying serious point. And then it hit me. If these funny stories worked for all these accomplished people, like politicians, celebrities and, you know, lords, whatever, then I was going to take a couple and repurpose them to reinforce some of the points I wanted to make in my talk. So I did all that, put them in, rehearsed, whatnot. And on the day of the speech that came around, I was so nervous. I shed the weight of a baby cow. And I opened the door on this day to the company restaurant where it was going to be held. And I saw a sea of faces as I made my way to the front. So I, I sat down. I was still going over the talk in my mind when I heard the CEO finish his speech by introducing me. And my heart lurched and my knees nearly gave way as I went to the podium. But I, I stood there, I took a deep breath and launched into the funny story I'd chosen to open with. Now, as I spoke, the first thing I noticed was people looked confused. Then they switched to being curious. And as I dropped the punchline at the end of the story, they burst out laughing. Even the CEO was chuckling. And that talk blew away any doubts people had about my capability. And it also showed me the power of humour in speaking. And I've used it ever since. And you can too. Right, let's get into this. So first of all, you need to understand why people laugh. Now, I might have touched on this uh, on in episodes before, but I don't think I've covered the full list. So here are the six big reasons why people laugh. So the first thing is when we reflect the truth, that's when people laugh. So, for instance, my opening joke of this podcast reflected the truth that a lot of women hide the fact that they've spent money on new clothes from their husbands. And if you didn't get it, hopefully you've got it now. <laughs> um, the second reason people laugh is when tension is revealed. And this it's actually a really cheap laugh to get. For example, if during your talk something unexpected happens with your tech or there's a noise outside or someone drops something, then it will create tension. And you've got to acknowledge that thing that happened so that the audience can relax and move on. And this is us often such a great opportunity for a laugh. And it really doesn't have to be very funny at all to get one. A third reason that people laugh is when they're shocked. And comedians often get laughs because they say out loud what others only think. They'd never dare to say it. Or TV programs and videos that show people having accidents also fall into this shock category. Just as long as we know that people really weren't hurt, then we laugh. And I'd advise you to use shock with caution outside of a comedy club. And only if you know your audience really, really well. And now one thing, the next one we all love to laugh at is authority being attacked. But again, it's one to be careful of. But if you get the right target, then the audience will love it. One a great one to use here, taxes. They're fairly safe uh, as an authority target on most occasions. Uh, people laugh. Fifth one, when there's a shared experience. That's why there's often laughter at funerals, because people are sharing stories about the person they all knew. 
And um, when my extended family goes on holiday together, well, it's like National Lampoons, to be honest, you can guarantee that something will go wrong. Uh, like the time my mum got hit on the head by a toll booth barrier in France after my dad had driven off without her. I mean, I don't even know how, we don't know to this day how she even managed to stand there long enough to get hit by it. But when it happened, she was really dazed and we were quite worried about her. But now we find it hilarious. (laughs) And that also highlights a famous formula that came from a comedy actress, Carol Burnett. Actually, it was from her mum. That uh, is this comedy equals tragedy plus time. Comedy equals tragedy plus time. And finally, the fifth reason that people laugh is biology. Some of us, you already might have picked up on this from previous episodes, some of us find bodily functions very, very funny, (laughs) which explains the success of the Squatty Potty video, which I adore. And again, biology-related humour is probably one to use sparingly at corporate events. Okay, so that's the six reasons. Reflecting the truth, shock, authority being attacked, when tension is relieved, a shared experience and biology. So now that you've got that as your foundation, let's head into the tips for adding humour to your stories. So the first tip is this. Know your audience. Now, a massive part of my work with people who want to have more impactful talks centers around getting a deep understanding of the audience they're targeting. And this is relevant for the structure, for the stories, and for the humor. And as I've just explained, many of the reasons we laugh link to people's thoughts and feelings. And taking some time to think about their fears, that's your audience, your fear, their fears, their desires, things that might have happened to all of them or a common enemy they share might enable you to weave asides and analogies into your stories that will really hit the mark. And that's because you'll be reflecting their truth, their shared experiences, possibly relieving tension and possibly attacking the symbol of authority, which could be a rule or a policy or even a person they all dislike. So first one, know your audience. It's always the first thing, whatever you're doing in speaking, that is your like cardinal rule, okay? Okay, number two, be specific. You may have heard me say before that the comedy is in the detail. So when you're de- describing in your story a person, a place, facial expression, action, reaction, feeling or thing, whatever it is, if you can find one aspect of it, and exaggerate it using a metaphor or an analogy, then this is likely to get a laugh. And if you can also tap into some of those reasons we laugh at the same time, then you'll increase the comedy factor. For example, earlier in my story about the company speech, I told you that I was so nervous I shed the weight of a baby cow. Now that served two purposes for me. It illustrated how anxious I was and hopefully made you smile. And also that metaphor, which used exaggeration to get a laugh, also reflected the truth that many of us spend a lot of time in the loo before a talk and it tapped into a shared experience. So to do this with your stories, get these metaphors and stuff, simply brainstorm the metaphors and choose the one that's funniest and makes the point well. For example, if if you wanted to convey that 
cultural change, achieving cultural change is difficult, then spend some time brainstorming other things that are difficult. I know, like getting a decent conversation out of a 13-year-old, um, navigating Facebook without seeing a pet, or Brexit, etc. Then simply choose the comparison that makes you laugh and you think will resonate well with your audience. Okay, number three, use misdirection. Now, as I might have mentioned before, surprise is at the heart of all comedy. I've said before, comics are like magicians. We misdirect your attention with the setup to the joke and then surprise you with a punchline that shatters the assumption that you made. So there's a TED talk from my soon Saeed. She uses misdirection all the way through to make people laugh and to challenge their assumptions. And in describing her cerebral palsy, she sets out all the reasons why you can't get cerebral palsy, including not because her parents are first cousins, which after a beat, she follows up with, although they are. Um, one of the common ways comedians use misdirection is when words or phrases have dual meanings. Uh, here's a silly one from one of my podcast intros. One of my coaching clients at the moment is a colon hydrotherapist and she got very excited when I told her I was doing a show that would have focused on addressing poor movements. So there you go, using misdirection. Okay, number four, using hard consonants. Now there's a film and I hear lots of people retell the same scene that they find funny in this film and the film is called Evolution and I like to think that a big reason why they find the same scene funny is down to hard consonants. Okay, so the scene is this. There's these three guys. They're in a mall, uh, a shopping mall, and they're trying to trap a big alien bird, which is sort of like a pterodactyl. And Sean William Scott's character, oh, I think he's, yeah, he, he's a very funny guy. Um, anyway, I'm trying to think of other movies he'd be in. Uh, it's escaping me at the moment. But anyway, his character grabs a microphone and he starts making bird noises, bird sounds. And like, cuckoo, cuckoo, you tucky, tucky. And that does absolutely nothing to attract the bird. And then the other character, played by Orlando Bloom, completely deadpan, asks him to shut up saying, I think we've established that cuckoo, cuckoo and tucky, tucky don't work. Now, I'm probably not doing it justice. It is funny. Check it out for yourselves. But the hard consonant sounds, especially K sounds, curse sounds, uh, which include hard C, uh, Q, U, and to a lesser extent, T, P, hard G, D, and B. So the consonants tend to make words sound funnier. So if you can swap a word in a joke or a metaphor, or whatever it is, with for one with a hard consonant, people will naturally find it funnier. I don't know why it's like it is, but that is it. You know, caw, 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 tuki, tuki. There we go. Make sure you have a look at that evolution. I'm really not doing it justice. <laughs> okay, number five. Um, this is a variation on something I might have told you about before called the rule of three. It's called big, big, small. Now, in the rule of three, which is a great tool to use in your talks, whether you're making a joke or reinforcing a point. It's about setting up that misdirection in the first two, creating a pattern and then switching it. And big, big, small is a variation on that. It's basically the opposite. It's where you take the subject from the profound to the mundane. 
Uh, you start cosmic and you become tedious. And here's an example from a comedian called Brenda Gilhooley. I'm going on hunger strike to protest about women's rights in the third world. I'm going to support their rights for universal emancipation. I'm going to fit into a size 10. So going from the profound to the mundane. Okay, there you go. Five tips to add humour into your stories. So let me just recap those. First of all, it's know your audience. Second is be specific. So add those funny details. Number three, use misdirection. Number four, use hard consonants. And number five, big, big, small. Okay, right. Now, a few things I want you to keep in mind when you're using comedy in your public speaking. First of all, I want you to make sure that your humour doesn't distract people from your message that's inherent in the story you're telling. Basically, you're using humour to keep them engaged and make the point more memorable. And as ever, the message is the most important thing. The humour is only there to support you getting it across, right? Secondly, don't overdo it. Unless it's an after-dinner speech where the main intention is to entertain people, use humour sparingly. Because if you, if you overdo it, then they won't pay attention to it. So just, you're not a comedian, you're a speaker. So use it sparingly. Make sure you let your audience know it's okay to laugh. If you've got like a, a tragic story in your talk that has funny moments, you need to find subtle ways to give the audience permission to laugh. I was watching a fantastic TED talk the other day by a lady called Jess Tom, and she has Tourette's, which is where you make involuntary movements and and say things that you know, is sort of out of your control. And her whole talk was punctuated by the words biscuit and hedgehog. And very early on, she told the audience, I don't think about biscuits half as much as I talk about them. And this broke tension and made it OK for them to laugh. And, I, and I'll be t doing an episode in the future to, to go into a bit more detail about Jess's talk. But yeah, when you just give them permission. Also, when you start out using humour in your talks, just take the time to make sure you run it past someone you trust just to make sure that it's appropriate, okay, for the audience. Get a second opinion uh, just until you get a bit more experienced at using it. And lastly, make sure the humour you use is in line with your brand. If your comedy doesn't reflect your values or what you stand for, then people will find it uncomfortable rather than funny. So IHOP in America, they started doing some funny uh, tweets. I think they were doing an analogy, pancakes are like, or whatever it was. And they started off getting a great reaction. But then they started being slightly rude with the tweets. And as soon as they went into being rude, they started, it wasn't funny for their audience anymore. And they got complaints. And that's because IHOP is like a family brand where you go to you take your family to have pancakes. And when they started veering into that sort of offensive humor, it, it wasn't in line with their brand and they had to issue an apology. So your comedy, your humor needs to be comfortable for you and comfortable for your audience in line with your brand. Otherwise, it won't be authentic. Well, that's it. Now, if there's one thing I want you to remember and take away about using humour in your stories is that it's got 
to resonate with your audience. And that means giving some thought to who they are and what they're about. Okay? Always back to your audience. Now, I'll put links in the uh, show notes to the other copy episodes in that I've done before. Uh, but before I wrap up, I just want to let you know that the Story-Led Speaking Programme will be opening again on Friday, 11th of October. My beta students who are going through the programme at the moment are getting fantastic results and I can't wait to share it with you if you want to get more confidence in speaking or take your speaking to the next level become a sensational speaker. You can grab a spot on the waiting list at storyledspeaking.com. That's storyledspeaking.com. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from the episode, then I would be chuffed if you could leave the podcast a rating or review on iTunes. As usual, <laughs> go and do it. A couple of minutes. I, you know, it really means a lot to me. Um, and last thing for me to say is have a fantastic week and don't forget to go out, grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.